Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, one big thing that we have learned over the past year is that employers no longer have control over the people they hire. The balance of power has shifted with the majority of people willing to walk away from an opportunity that does not align with their personal beliefs or values. Many companies are left scratching their heads as to why. So the thinking has evolved into, well, it must be the money, so let's increase compensation and benefits. Hoping this will solve the problem, but of course, it won't. The interviews today are the ones making the selection, not the company. The interviewees are the ones evaluating the company for more than just a paycheck. And the interviewees are the people who have a lot of options, not the companies. So to get people to choose your company to join, you simply need to level the playing field by understanding what's in it for them. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Ms. Lee Rubin. Lee is the founder and CEO of Confetti, yay, a platform that helps companies build stronger culture by providing shared experiences for a distributed workplace. Their holistic tool empowers HR and other team leads to quickly discover and plan and book from a catalog of exclusive experiences that optimize corporate culture and employees' professional growth. Lee is a visionary culture leader with a decade of experience in B2B sales. She's one of the world's experts on remote event planning and has built her company from zero to 60 employees in just three years which makes Lee the perfect expert for today's topic. Lee, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks for having me, Rick. I'm excited uh, to talk all about recruiting. It's great to have you. And I swear I didn't mispronounce your name T just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's so, it's so simple that sometimes it, it throws people off. Yeah. Well, I also had this juice with garlic in it. I'm probably all beefed up on garlic. Oh, no. So <laughs> I know, right? So vampires, stay away. So we're going to discuss a couple of different things today. We're going to talk about uh, what the field really looks like today. And we're going to talk about leveling the playing field for your process and understanding the best way to do it. And then how to stand out as an employer of choice through your interview process. Sound like a plan? Sounds amazing. I find one of the challenges today is that we still have remnants of the old mentality of we select candidates and, you know, the way in which this whole interviewing process has been going is it hasn't changed much from from five years ago, where there was an, an ample supply of people and people were just willing to take jobs at whatever people gave them. So I find that that mindset is one of the main things that I'm seeing is is kind of a big challenge. But what what would you say would be kind of some of the challenges that you're seeing in the in the playing field today? Yeah, well, talking from uh, the employees' perspective, as you said, we have I think a luxury today that. Uh, our parents and definitely our grandparents didn't have, which is choosing a place that we actually enjoy working for and with the people. Um, and I think COVID was a particularly interesting pivoting point because, you know, the end of it felt like the end of the world for the beginning. I know we're like two years in now, so it, we've all kind of normalized it. But in the beginning of the pandemic, it really felt like, oh, my gosh, like what is going to happen? Unemployment rate skyrocketed, uh, people were left with in their homes. 
And it started getting them thinking also about, you know, am I dedicating my life hours to something that's meaningful? And that's where some of the the tables I feel like shifted in terms of bringing the power to the employee and, and the great resignation, et cetera. Um, but from a company perspective, the great resignation also prompted things like they needed to differentiate themselves from other organizations, which I think is relevant pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Well, we're not fully post, but. Um, oh, it'll never be over. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll just be another version of it for a while. Um, but but differentiating the company, right? You know, ultimately recruiters need to increase the chance of them closing a candidate versus another company. Um, they need to give the the candidate a taste of their company's culture, hopefully to uh, align expectations, keep the uh, the employee with the company for a longer amount of time, which is uh, a topic that I'm very passionate about. Um, and then uh, the other challenge is that I think, you know, uh, is how do you do this all in a, a remote environment? I think there's an increase of, of job postings online. And the question is, how do we best optimize the salary that's going in on that job posting? And there's probably a, a large uh, group of people that will be listening that are like, do we post? Do we not post the job salary on on the, the job posting? And, and that's something else that I think companies are challenged with today. Yeah, well, I think there's another thing that you can optimize for too, which is remote versus not remote. There are a good majority of people that love to go to the office. I'm one of those people that I need to go away and get in my office because if I don't get very much work done because then I start making lunch and watching Dr. Phil and the next thing you know, I burn through three hours of my time. I don't really watch Dr. Phil. <laughs> and then there are those just are way more productive from home. And so it's kind of created a little bit of a divide, and I think it's very helpful. The ones who are trying to stay working from home in an environment where they want people to come in, those values have shifted, right? Absolutely. So I, I think it's really key that, again, if you're in one of those situations, you just embrace it and go find somewhere else. Yeah, there's um, some tough decisions that are going to have to be learned from both sides of the table, from the employees, from the companies. Um, I read a cool stat, I, I don't remember from where, but I think 16% of companies are going to stay fully remote and around 75% of them are going to be hybrid, leaving the rest for the fully in-person. I think this was in reference primarily to the tech industry and I'm happy to go fish out the, the fact uh, post uh, podcast, um, but it really starts creating a discussion of, of what does hybrid look like uh, and all the new buckets that companies need to find themselves filling. Well, then you brought up salary, right? Posting salary. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I think a job advertisement, if you're putting it out there and you're posting, is a marketing document, right? So it should be focused in on the merits of getting the right people in the door. And to me, money should be a conversation that you have with each individual. You could put a range, but even that, you know, some people are, are going to bow out or lean in because of it, right? Totally. You're going to get people that are going to apply because, oh, this job pays $200,000 a year and I'm only making $100,000 a year now. So like then they start thinking they're going to get something that they're not going to do. So it, it does have a, a negative side to it where it could set expectations too high. Totally. I mean, I think this is the, the unique part of the process where interests are totally not aligned between the two parties, right? Naturally, 
the candidate wants the highest amount that they can get and the employer probably wants the lowest amount that they can get for that candidate. And I think candidates, you know, there's a lot of um, talks about how job um, how salaries should be required and mandated to be put on job descriptions. And I even heard that it's becoming like a more of a legal requirement by state. Um, but I, I think that ultimately there's um, people don't realize how kind of complex it is often to operate a company in those early stages. And you might be optimizing for different things. So there's junior employees that you're like, okay, I'm willing to give take a bet on you and potentially give you a, a lower range or under the range even, but I don't want to completely close myself out to the higher range and the most qualified candidate either. And um, sometimes, at least for us, we find ourselves hiring for multiple roles at once and we don't know what fully the budget we can optimize for until we have some of those other roles lined up, right? So. Maybe I have a $300,000 budget, annual budget, making numbers up, allocated annually amongst uh, three roles. And um, depending if one of them ends up being more expensive, I might have to balance the other two with uh, other jun more junior roles. And I think people oversimplify this process and say, hey, you have a job posting up, but like put a salary range. And then they realize, hey, you know, we're still figuring things out on the back end and we're seeing a an array of people that are coming through our doors. Well, they're forcing uh, smaller companies to play by the rules of large companies. Large companies can budget it out and they can put a range. And I think it's fair for that sort of thing. Yeah. But when you're a startup, like you just said, there's, there's too many extenuating circumstances that can come into play here. You, you might find somebody who's stronger here and then you need to supplement them somewhere else. And it, it doesn't make any sense. So that's why I'm not a fan of putting up compensation because I want to make sure that I'm attracting talented people to my organization and then dealing with those details later as opposed to letting talented people look at my job description and go, nah, they're not paying enough. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I think at the end of the day, one of the things that's so important about getting to a point where you are leveling the playing field is getting that candidate to go past that initial uh, job description and actually apply. And you have to incorporate in your careers page, in your job description, other things that are going to excite them. And usually those things uh, to us that we're seeing is cultural uh, elements, uh, photos of the team, uh, your values as a company, um, your like, if there is a very clear, like professional uh, career path, maybe saying, hey, this is what the next five years of working at your company look like getting them like a taste for being like i want to have a conversation and then leaving uh as as you said the the conversation about salary towards the end of the first call in my opinion it's so very true all right you're listening to the higher power radio show for our podcast listeners we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your secret weapon to uh, landing the strongest talent for your company. We're talking to Lee Rubin, and we're discussing leveling the playing field. You just alluded to something which I like to talk about a lot, but for those naysayers out there who say, focus on the culture and all those other outside things that seem like really fluffy, they probably don't work 
why should I spend my time doing that? Yeah. Um, well, I obviously have a very strong opinion that people uh, and culture is the spinal cord of every organization. And um, I think that you look at pretty much every big movement that we care about, and let's just take professional sports. Uh, like, this is something that I think people can like very clearly understand. Like, you can't often build a good professional sports team if there's uh, a difficult dynamics between the players that are actually working there, players with their coaches. Um, that just affects their overall morale. And uh, I don't compare my team to a family, but I do compare my team to a professional sports team. And it's important that everyone does their job well, but it's also important that all of us learn how to communicate together, learn how to pass the ball to one another, learn how to say good job and coach one another, uh, lift each other up when we're down. And this is what makes great businesses. That's a great analogy because even if you follow a sports team, there's a culture around that. People identify themselves as a Raiders fan or a cheesehead or, you know, whatever, whatever that is. That's a culture. If you believe that it doesn't work, then you might want to examine really uh, what it is you believe in because it does. The results that you've been getting because of it, I mean, going from zero to 60 people in three years is pretty outstanding. So obviously you're doing something right. Thank you. It's been a heck of a journey. <laughs> I can commiserate with you. <laughs> I'm like two, I'm two years behind you, but yeah, I'm in the same boat. All right, so let's talk about how we solve the problem. So let's help our guests kind of put a framework in place where they can level the playing field and come out looking like an employer of choice. Where would they start? Awesome. Um, well, I think there's a few things that I like to think about, and I like to reverse engineer how to get to my end result. So I think uh, one big prediction that I have in the world of recruiting is that some of the conversation is going to change and it's not just going to be about the initial recruiting process, but it's going to be about how long that employee stays over time. So I like to care, compare this if you're thinking about like a customer acquisition, there's the CAC and then there's the LTV. And similarly, there is the uh, employee uh, cost of acquiring like a, an employee, the cost of acquiring an employee, and then the, the lifetime value that employee has over time. So within each role, you need to start thinking, okay, what is my end goal for this employee? Do I want them to grow into a more senior role? Do I want to hire a more senior person uh, outside? Do uh, I want to, you know, turn people around and I just want them to stay for six to 12 months and then go out and do something else with their life? Um, so start there and that's going to help you start to, to craft what kind of people you're looking for. And ideally, Part of the whole vision behind leveling the playing field is how do we make it where it's a win-win scenario for both you as an employer and the person that you're hiring. Um, and, and I think a big part of that comes from like authenticity. So how do you understand what it is that you want and start pairing it with what it is that people are looking for and make it a genuinely authentic connection? That's really building upon your values as well. I talk a little bit about sometimes that if you're an organization of hunters that essentially like you guys are all about profits at all costs and watch your back and that sort of thing, you should own it and you should put it out there. There are people that will resonate with that and do well in that environment. 
that's being your authentic self, like you're saying. And I think the way in which you run your organization, where it's like where I'm really focused on culture and I want to make sure that people are taken care of, then then that should be the messaging too. And those are all driven by your values. Absolutely. Yeah, values is, is, a, is a huge part. Definitely. We're showing up authentic, then what? So just to make sure, the, the question that you've asked is why is this important? Like, why should this be important to the company and or why? No, no, no. How do we lay out a framework for our listeners so they can actually kind of plug, level the playing field and plug this into their business? Got it. Okay, so yeah. how do we, so how do we solve the problem? Case. How do we actually make this happen? Exactly. Um, so first step is really getting that person to feel comfortable with the speaker, the, the recruiter that is going to be uh, connecting them with that uh, with that business. And uh, there's a few things that I like to do to get them comfortable. Uh, one of them is I literally like to say it. So I like to say um, phrases like, hey, you know, I want this to be a comfortable, casual conversation. Ultimately, I want to see if there is a vibe fit. Um, because culture is very important to us and we need to be working together. We're going to need to like each other's company if we're going to be working Monday through Friday, nine to five. Those are a significant portion of, of our life goes to working with our colleagues. We have to get along. So that's sure. what I'm looking for. Sure. Um, yeah. Getting people comfortable. You're kind of giving them an outline of what you're expecting or your expectations. And then how are you actually getting them comfortable in the interaction? Yeah. So I'm, my body language is a big part. You know, I, I'm speaking to them similarly to I'm speaking to you. I'm, you know, not as uh, formal and like, hi, welcome. Thank you. I, I'm not doing all of that. I'm just like, Hey, it's good to see you. Where are you in the world? Oh, I like your Zoom background, like kind of as you would be talking to almost a friend of sorts. Sure. Um, yeah. Casual talk. So you're bringing your authentic self. Being my authentic self. And there you go. I, I, it's a matter of also like the, the power. Like I, I don't want it to seem like I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I show them that I'm excited to speak with them. And I talk about the vibe fit. You know, one of the things that I found works really well if you want to get people at ease is get them talking about themselves first, because we all love to talk about ourselves. If somebody's nervous, I have an opening conversation piece that I use all the time, which is, so what's happening with you that has you open to hearing about something potentially stronger? Mm. And I'm just trying to get them to open that door as to what might be their pay point or what might be something that would connect us. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's very similar because once I get them to feel comfortable, I set an agenda for the call. And the first thing that I ask them to do is give me a two minute introduction of themselves, um, something that can paint a story from their resume and show me a little bit more of their charisma and how do they bundle their life story in the course of two minutes to get them opened up and comfortable. Okay, so this is interesting. So first off, it seems to me like you're going to have people that are going to focus on either work or they're going to focus in on like their personal life, right? Yeah. Are you looking for a blend of two? Or are you? It's interesting. I, I like to leave it um, open-ended because you're going to learn something about how people are actually going to respond to that. So like naturally, we're in a professional interview and you're going to get the people that say something like, you know, 
So I was born in Georgia. I have a sister named Barbara and my dog, three cats, whatever. And they're going to go on like this cute little personal life story. And um, those are people that are usually a bit more entry level. These are usually people that don't actually uh, come from tech companies. This is kind of one of their first go arounds at like a, a, a real I'm going to say real job, but actually I don't like that phrase. Like a, <laughs> like a, a tech job I, probably is the safest. A professional <laughs> job. A professional job. Um, and, and then there's people that have a beautiful way of balancing and interweaving both a little bit of personal and professional. But the reality is what you're looking to hear is someone that gets that this as an interview, talks about their professional experience, and maybe in the last 10 seconds, you know, sprinkles a little bit of like, and I live in Miami and I have a dog named Eleanor. Okay. Yeah. Accountants and engineers and people who are like, you know, typically the introverted types. I found that those tend to be a little bit more challenging from the perspective of like people who aren't overly talkative or share a lot don't tend to really uh, get into the details of it or tell good story. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think, well, I, I, Prioritize storytelling or good storyteller um, with a position that requires it. So I'm like, okay, don't need you to be a good storyteller for an accountant. So if you're just like rah, 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 you know, one, two, three in your two minute intro for an accountant, I might actually be like, oh, wow, this person was very concise. They stuck to the two minutes. They went through it and gave me like a chronological organized order of like their life. And that might actually paint a picture for me uh, for an accountant that I feel like would symbolize what a good accountant might actually be like. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I don't need my accountant to be a good salesperson. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. I might actually not want them to be a good salesperson because then I would be afraid what's going on with these books. I'll be like, yeah, I totally did the books last week. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you 100%. I probably don't want my engineers being good storytellers either because, you know, again, they're going to be spending too much time talking story than doing, getting work done. That's a good point. Yeah. Right? They're, they're, and their hours are expensive. So you want them focused on coding. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, how much is that two minute window? How, how important is that? For, for me, and when you're saying like the, like, how important is it that they stick to the two minutes? Yeah, because some people, when you get into the story, that can evolve into a half-hour story about their totally. cousin Mike who went to Miami, Florida and wrestled a crocodile. Like, you know, all kinds of things can happen there. <laughs> That's all in important, like, context, right? Because if you you know that, for example, with salespeople, um, an important quality of them is asking questions and getting the other person comfortable. So if you have a salesperson that's just giving a 30 minute pitch about themselves, when you ask them specifically to keep it to one to two minutes, then you've got a rambler and a rambler probably won't make a good salesperson. So that's very true. All, there, all of these are good contexts. I also purposely like to explicitly say like, please keep your intro to one to two minutes because a lot of people aren't going to keep that one to two minutes and you're going to figure out who follows the prompt and who doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean that the people clue. Who go above those two minutes are disqualified. Um, but you do want someone who's also aware of the time. So like a lot of times you'll see people say like, I think I just went over the two minute mark. I'm sorry. I just got, you know, swept up in, in my story. And 
that to me has um, also an effect in, in, in a good way because they're at least aware. All right. So they've given their two minute intro. Now what? What's the next piece? So they give their two minute intro. I usually uh, lead with questions after the two minute intro. I want to continue to ask them things and uh, about their resume. And um, the, the questions do vary. I'll give you like some examples. One of them that I, I love asking no matter what is um, why are you looking to currently like to leave your current job? Um, so that's one that I, I stick to. And uh, um, if that's if they're currently employed. Um, and then another one is if they are currently employed, I like to ask them if their team slash company knows if they are leaving, uh, which I think is a unique question to ask that I don't know if other companies uh, ask. Why would that be important? Why is that important? So um, there's different things that you'll extract from asking that question. One of them is the person that replies back saying, yes, absolutely, my manager knows, my company knows. And to me, this shows a level of maturity. This shows someone that has good communications. This shows someone who has loyalty that's not going to leave their company hanging. And this is something that I prioritize very highly. Um, then there's a person that says, no, absolutely not. That would be ridiculous for me to talk to them. And that to me is like, er, red flag. Um, because I'm like, oh no, this person like will is going to leave their company hanging, is going to leave their team hanging. Um, I'm sure that you've dealt with this. I'm sure that all of the listeners have dealt with this. You're going to also find this category of people in that no section um, that will go back to their employer once you give them an offer, say, hey, I'm going to leave. Um, and then that employee says, wait, no, I'm going to give you a raise. I'm going to change your title. Let's talk about this. Let's try to make it work. And then they come back to you and say, hey, Rick, you know, I finally spoke to my boss and we had a really great conversation and I'm going to stay um, and I'm, I'm not going to move forward with um, with your position. Uh, you know, and <laughs> what's interesting is a lot of people fear that, but I think that saves you so much time because you didn't go forth with an offer and invest all this extra time in trying to close somebody and then have them turn it down at the end. Totally. There's no reason why you should ever lose anybody to a counter offer because I mean, that's, that's a great point. A counter offer to the company that they're already working with. That's the thing. It's not even like to a different company that you're up against. It's to the company that they're currently employed with. Exactly. All right, shoot, we're getting pretty close on time, Lee. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience if we can plug into their business today? Okay, a few uh, key elements. Um, one of them is to optimize for the people you want to go through the shit with. Um, so like that's me, my, my number one. Um, optimize for employees that share your same values. That's you know kind of similar to, to that first point. Uh, for me, academia is overrated, so I don't really hold super tightly to Amen, uh, sister. <laughs> to the Harvards and the Google alumni of the world. Um, it's a lot of frosting. Um, and uh, I look at loyalty as the number one uh, currency for like what I'm looking for. I want to see a resume that has three, five years of experience. Um, plus, and I know that that person's going to see multiple evolutions of that business and, uh, yeah, go through the hard times. That's so very true. Well, 
Lee, thanks so much for your time investment today, and I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could find you, find Confetti, you know, anything that you want to like to plug? Here's your moment. Absolutely. Well, uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn, um, which, uh, Rick, will you have like a, a link? Yeah, we'll that- have everything linked. Awesome. Uh, you can also shoot me over an email. I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, Lee at withconfetti.com. Um, and happy to uh, e- extend a, a confetti credits or a little a little coupon to uh, anyone that comes from the Higher Power Radio to give uh, our platform a shot. But hopefully uh, uh, show your team a good time if any of you are struggling with that retention piece or that culture piece. Perfect. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team. Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, we want to continue to grow the show for you and provide valuable content week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at higher, H-I-R-E, power, P-O-W-E-R, radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Rafael Danilo. He is the founder and CEO of Yobs. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.